are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Hey everybody, this is Christopher Seals, and across the table from me is... The Wayne Randolph. That was my, uh, that was my smooth voice. That was your, your NPR voice? Oh, yeah. Hi. Hi. Yes. This is our, um, this is our first time re-recording an episode. Because uh, technology. Yeah. I'm sorry I'm not more helpful, Chris. That's okay. So we're going to do this again. Like, like how I don't refute that. Right. <laughs> I don't even say <laughs> You're so, helpful, Wayne. So those of you, I mean, I, I guess we didn't even necessarily need to give you context because ideally this will all be fresh for you. But uh, I guess the disclaimer is uh, if, if any of our wit isn't just with it, then it's because it's round two. <laughs> it is. But hopefully the content is still there. Yeah. Cool. Hey, Wayne. So what are we talking about again? Okay. <laughs> hey, Wayne. Hi. What was your GPA? High school or college? I don't know. Just make one up. Uh, Who's going to hold you to it? Well, I have transcripts that align to reality. (laughs) So my high school GPA, I think, was a 2.47732. What was yours? I think it was like a 3.8. Would be. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Um, Did you ever in any of your classes get an optimi? No, because I don't know what that is. Um, or a, what about a second optimi? No. Inferiori. No. <laughs> Pe- Pejoris. No, where are you getting these, dude? Um, these are from William and Mary University? College. 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 William and Mary College. Um, back in the 1700s. Hmm. Ever heard of the 1700s? I have heard of the 1700s. So those, <laughs> that's their grading scale? Is it actually like a grading scale? Or um, is yes, it? that was their grading scale back in the 1700s, um, 1785 to be exact. Um, and they, you'll notice that they didn't use A, B, C, D, F. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that there's no E? Yes. Because the E um, is in a different area. Yeah, E for me growing up uh, in elementary school was under like citizenship. So you're either E for excellent or you were satisfactory, or you were unsatisfactory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, let's see. Oh, never mind. William and Mary was the, com- uh, that was the university that just ranked them in order. So, sorry, Yale uh, was the one that used Optimi. Leave it to Yale I to I was just going to say, of course they did. Uh, do they still use that? Because Yale I, could get away with that. I feel like um, when I was growing up, I remember people telling me that they graduated cum laude or summa cum laude. Is right. that still a thing? Yes. Oh. That's the extent of my knowledge, by the way. <laughs> yes, I have still heard of that. <laughs> nice. So Yale used the the optimi. Optimi meant was like probably our equivalent of an A or like you performed well. Second optimi um, was you performed a little bit worse. Inferiori was probably like our C. And then peyore or pejore. I don't know if you pronounce the J or not, was like their failing grade. Pahore. Whereas at William and Mary College... What they actually did is they just rank students. Like, mm. you're the smartest, you're the second smartest. They do that by number? Or? Yes, okay. you would be ranked number one, two, three, four. So I could be the, the 312th down. smartest yes. person on the campus? And, but, and, but if someone asked what your grades are, you would just say, oh, I'm 312. Okay, so you would just give your ranking. Yeah, you would give your ranking. Yeah. So, so GPA didn't Totally exist. irrelevant back then, yeah. Cool. And back then, how, how far back so, are we going? So that's 1785. Okay. About 100 years later, um, Mount Holyoke 
instituted what we have today, almost. Because they had A for excellent, B for good, C for fair, D for barely passed. That is like that's the verbiage. Barely, <laughs> barely passed. passed. Um, and E, subjective. yeah, E would be failed. Huh. Um, but notice there's no F. Right. Um, and I think over the years they they replaced the E with the F. Um, they they added an F below that, but then they realized let's just call it failing because if you got an right. E, you failed anyway. So let's just use the F and let's save E for better things. So let's not rub their face on it. Yeah. Further. <laughs> so cool. F stands for fail, um, but it's like the equivalent of the E. Got it. Yeah. So I, I know you and I are teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, why are we talking about this on a podcast? We are talking about this, Wayne. I'm so glad you asked. Um, it's like we it's like we practice this. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're talking about this because I think in the educational system, that was a water that was a water bottle. Um, in the educational system, there are certain things that are just taken for granted. Right? There are grades. There is homework. You go to school at certain hours, um, but. Hopefully, if we are being reflective teachers and and hopefully trying to be excellent educators, we don't just like look at our pedagogical practices, like what goes on in the classes and our teaching strategies, but we also take a step back and look at perhaps the system itself, Hmm. right? What we do on report cards, in our grade books, on RenWeb is the system that we use, which is our like electronic grading so one and a half listeners just left yeah <laughs> but what we do on on in our grade books yeah. um maybe we shouldn't automatically assume that having a grade book is a good thing right yeah and i i know this is a important talk just in education in general um it's like kind of whatever it is that you teach or, or that someone else teaches but it, 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 there's an extra i don't know if i would call it an extra like layer of burden or mm. just um, kind of fog, if you will, this gray area, it gets a, even a little more interesting when it comes to the topic that we teach in our classroom Yeah, um, of, of doing, so that system is already kind of funky, but then how does that system fu- like lend itself or somehow merge with, with a Christianity yeah, or like and, a belief system? Right. And if we're teaching <laughs> like faith and we, we're always saying caught, not taught. Right. Um, but then what are they catching from even just looking at the grading system? What is it that they're catching from our classes? And yeah. one of the things that oftentimes um, I feel like is brought up a lot when taking education courses or even just talking with other educators is this idea of, of the hidden curriculum. Yeah. What is it that is being communicated that isn't on a worksheet or isn't on a slide or isn't in your direct instruction? But there are things that we in our schools are communicating with our practices. Can you give us like a simple example, whether that's from your classroom or just sure school in general? Yeah, like hidden curriculum. For example, um, we are sitting in my classroom currently, and my tables are set up in pods, okay. um, which means that they are um, collaborative spaces where students face each other at these tables. And while there is a front of the room, um, most of the work goes on in their pods where they collaborate together and work on things. So the um, hidden curriculum is, is like, like w- something that we value? Yeah. We so, value community? So look at these, uh, even walking into the room, they learn, okay, in this space, we are going to collaborate, hmm. right? And collaboration is important. Whereas my first, I think my first two years of teaching, I had straight rows facing the front, um, which was the classroom setup that I grew up with. And I assumed mm-hmm. this is the best because I am the teacher, the one with the knowledge conveying it to students. Yeah. Um, and so they need to be facing me because I'm the most important person in the room. 
Um, and so that that is exactly what it communicates to the students is Got that it. they are passive receivers of education. And mm. even though that's not in my curriculum, it's not on some like philosophy paper that I wrote. It's something that the kids learn just by right. looking yeah. and absorbing it in the system. You know, it's interesting that you brought up seating and maybe maybe just a, a tangent for a moment. But um, we often consume entertainment in mm. that same structure yep. where we are all facing whether it's a screen or a stage, uh, or the front of class, and you are all focused on that front person, and potentially what you see in your peripheral is other people focus on their on that person or mm. the back of other people's heads. Right, and so we're consuming. I mean, it's, that's how most church services even are, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, that does send an interesting message. Yeah, that we're that we're all passively just consuming whatever's up front. Just take stuff. Just take info. Right, and then when we aren't entertaining as teachers, then it's no wonder that. Um, our students are disappointed that we're not entertaining them, even though we've set up our classroom to be entertainers. Uh, yeah. 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 Anyway, <laughs> we're talking. <laughs> I might turn into a psychology right. uh, session there yeah. for me. We're we're talking about uh, grading, though. And yeah. um, there is a there's a researcher named Alfie Cohn. Hmm. Um, he wrote a, a wonderful book that I'm about halfway through, which is. I get halfway through books and then I lose stamina. I don't know if you can resonate with that. Um, uh, I just say I get bored. <laughs> get bored, lose stamina. No, I think for me it's like just, oh, there's another new book. All of a yeah, sudden you get excited with something else. And- well, so I'm reading his book, The The Homework Myth, um, and it it mostly focuses on, on homework, but I've read some of his articles before which talk about like the systems of um, that we use to discipline children are um, rewards and punishments, which he boils down to, yeah, like punishment or bribery mm. for kids, which they are just two different ends of the same stick. Um, so, so like on honor and shame. Yes, exactly. So he he um, not only is he educated in the field, but he's a researcher. When he oh, cool. writes in his books, everything is footnoted, um, and he's citing all of these studies, and he he cites all of the fifteen studies that he uses for this one piece mm-hmm. of information. Um, and in a video that that you and I watched together, I think it was a week and a half ago, we watched this video. He sort of he talks about three different effects of grades. And mm-hmm. so let me throw them out there yeah. um, and get your maybe you forgot them in a week and a half and get your like volatile emotional response to these things. Go ready. Three I'm tired. So that's perfect. Three effects of grades. One, they make students less interested in whatever they are learning for a grade. True. <laughs> so emotional. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. I mean, I think we see that played out, especially mm-hmm. with our, our kids who um, their kind of world is uh, and their identity is based on performance. Mm-hmm. And so there they're are those who are only interested in whatever is going to be on the test, right? right? And you have the kid who, you know, as you're lecturing, right? Like, is this going to be on the test? Is be, like, and yeah. so, yeah, that's, yep. and so emotionally for me, by the way, um, I, I hurt, I feel burdened when <laughs> I see students like that. Cause I'm like, Oh, like, yeah, there's more to life. And, and think about it. If we want kids <laughs> to fall in love with the, with the Bible, and if we want them to fall in love with Jesus, um, and then we say, but if you don't do this assignment, you'll get an F. Yeah. Um, and then what we're teaching them, even if we're saying do this assignment because Jesus is important, what we're really teaching them is do this assignment because your GPA is important because the colleges are looking. Which is true um, <laughs> and so counterintuitive for the topic that we teach. Mm. Um, and especially I would imagine for you teaching Jesus and the Gospels, yeah. you, you hang out with with those stories more often. And, and so – um, like the people that he was most harsh with were the Pharisees that mm-hmm. were 
basically kind of doing what we're saying here. Right, trying was, to just get the grade. Yeah, let me just figure out which law to keep or, or mm-hmm. who to show off for so that I can, you know, find my, my outer man identity in that. Yep. So we teach that the Pharisees are the, the antagonists and right. we teach them pharisaically. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So like the Pharisees, if we make, if we make the grade, the object, they lose interest in the actual subject. Yeah. Um, and then, Wait, so is pharisaically a word? It is now. Sweet. Hey, English is a playground. Part two. Yeah. Um, number two, they become less likely to pick something more difficult, mm. which I guess that kind of goes like with what you were saying that if the grade is the carrot, um, dangling, then they want to get the shortest stick, right. right? So that they can get the carrot easier. Yeah. Like, uh, book reports. Yeah, exactly. Right? I think we've talked about this right. before. Like yeah. even even in our own education, huh? If you're if you're trying to if if you have an option of twenty books to do a book report, you don't look through uh, which one's going to interest you the more the the more the most, um, but you look at which one has the least amount of pages and most illustrations. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, or which one can I get the Spark Notes online for? Oh, that one kills me. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Yeah. So motive. Yeah. So when when grades are the motive, we will. Pick well, the easy way out. Easy, yeah. And I think I was just talking to one of our um, coworkers, Chris, and he was saying um, we're, we're talking about the word easy and how that mm. ap- appears in our classes. And I, I think that the most valuable things that I've learned in life have, have not been easy to understand. <laughs> right. And as a result, now I feel like this, I probably wouldn't have said this earlier, but now where I'm at in my life, it's, if it's more difficult to understand, I'm more drawn to it. Yep. I want to learn more about yep. it. Um, whereas oftentimes we'll hear students say, oh, I like this class cause it's easy mm-hmm. or I like that subject because I get it and it's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what it does is it sort of breeds this, well, whatever you exert the least amount of energy to get the highest grade yeah. that, yeah, is what we get, and it exposes. I mean, it exposes the system, and we do this with any system. We do it, we do it as children in our house mm-hmm. with whatever rules and parameters our parents set up. Right. We do. I mean, we see students do that not just with our grading system, but with our our restorative justice, you yeah. know, system that we have in the classroom. And yeah, it seems to be that that's part of our nature, right? Yep. Um, and then the last thing that um, Alfie Cohen notices is that they tend to do things in a more shallow or superficial fashion. And he actually uses that line that you mentioned, is this going to be on the test? Is this going to be on the test? Right. If, if I need to just make sure that I have the information to score well on a test, then I'm going to memorize that information and nothing more. Because well, why would I? Yeah, right? exactly. Because I have to do this for six other classes, too. Exactly. Um, Chris, uh, today, you know, this is... This is what day three of our first official mm-hmm. like full week normal week back to school. Uh, today I had a class, so this is the second time I had them. So Monday, you know, we went through syllabus and, and some of the stuff. And today I just want to kind of gauge where they're at. And so you know, I thought I'd start easy with like, what's the meaning of life? Um, where do you find meaning? <laughs> yeah, um, good. And, nice yeah, and, nice you know, and shallow. Yeah, you know, uh, they also learned what existential crisis was after that for some of them. <laughs> um, but uh, I caught myself chuckling a couple times thinking about some of our conversations because mm-hmm. when I asked those questions, inevitably, and these are um, upperclassmen, these are juniors, inevitably I got the students asking me, how, how many words? Mm. How many yep. words do you need? Yeah, how many and, sentences? Yeah, and this is a student who hasn't had me, and so I kind of looked around the room and said, okay, guys, how am I going to answer that? And so it was fun that some of the kids said, um, however long it takes you to answer the question. Right, <laughs> right? yeah, to um, answer the, que- the, the question with your whole heart and mind. Yeah, my, my wife... that takes you a page. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife used to teach Spanish here, um, and she uh, she's a phenomenal teacher, but her, her default answer was um, enough to impress me. <laughs> 
so sarcastically reinforcing yes. the yeah, but that is true, right? right? Like, like show me that you know something. Yeah, show exactly. me that you and, and we get it all the time. I assign a, a paper and how many paragraphs, how many of this, and mm-hmm. and you know, I used to get really offended at it, Chris. I I, I would I would take it personally, like it's like it's my issue. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think even like what you said about ten minutes ago, like we're, we're talking about a, a systemic issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and how how do we navigate? And so I think that's kind of what we're talking about, right? So how, how do we, so how do we how do we teach value, like that you are valued as an individual yeah. and your your experience and your journey and your path, yeah. that, that there's value in it, mm-hmm. uh, and all the while having to navigate through this. The system. The system. Yeah, and I think yeah. that. The man. Yeah, the man's <laughs> getting us down. And I think that something that is sort of freeing for me is this image of, I, I think Shane Claiborne might, might have been the one that put this image in my mind, um, but he talks about, um, the parable of the mustard seed and how mm. mustard seeds are this this annoying weed that like sure you can get mustard from it but it grows and spreads and proliferates every time you hack it down more mustard grows up mm. um, and it, I think he compares it to dandelions mm. um, and I think about the dandelions in <laughs> my my yard is um, it's not just in my yard but they're in the sidewalk cracks right. they're they they grow everywhere as right. soon as you chop down one of those little as puffy soon white as balls. our daughters go yeah. out there and blow exactly. Then dandelions are everywhere. And what I think what's freeing to me is in the past, when I look at the system, I've always felt like my job as a follower of Christ is to break the concrete, Mm. let make the system new. Mm. Um, But I think that part of it is, okay, if I'm just faithful, then let's just get the kingdom to grow in the cracks, right? If we can get dandelions to sprout up in the cracks where the concrete is already a little bit broken, um, then they'll they'll hack us down again and it'll sprout up even more somewhere else. Yeah, keep coming back. That definitely sounds like a Shane Claiborne, yeah. especially like reclaiming urban, urban space. Right? Yeah, and so I, so I think I love that. I think that if we have this uh, system uh, of education, we can still work with it, mm. right? Even if we say there, it's flawed fundamentally in some ways. Because I mean, if we're honest, the the real reason that we have to use grades um, isn't because of research. Research does not say that grades are better. Yeah, um, actually, actually, it's like research tells us. It's kind of the opposite. The opposite. I mean, right? if if the goal is learning, then grades are not that helpful. Um, in but fact, that, that might not be an efficient system, though. Right? They're they're harmful. Yeah. yeah. But if we're looking for an efficient system, mm. um, then yeah, grades make sense, especially if we're trying to get like Harvard, Yale, the Ivies, Stanford, mm-hmm. the UC schools. Um, they can't look at our subjective opinion at our students' right. development. Right. So the the, the necessity for a, an agreed upon. Like language yes. and and evaluation system, like that's there. Yeah, yeah. I, I I remember that makes reading, sense. I mean, yeah. I get it. It makes me angry, but I get it. Yep. <laughs> I remember reading a book called Teaching the Big Picture, and it's the, it was this pilot school or um, a charter school in New York State uh, that they worked with. It was almost like a continue. No, it wasn't a continuing school, but it was a, it was an in, inner city school, I think. Um, and what they did is they did away with grades, which mm. is very like Montessori, like yeah. put flowers in our hair, like. Uh, did they go like just like to a like pass. It was credit, no credit. Yeah. Or so how, in, instead of any marking system, what they did is the teachers were responsible for writing a summary of student learning. Um, and so instead of saying you got an A, B, C, D, or you got a fifty, or not even like you got a triangle or a right. unicorn <laughs> or a starfish as your grade, um, they instead of having grades, they would write a paragraph describing the development of that student, wow. um, where they've progressed, where their struggles are, where they're um, where they are excelling. Um, and really giving genuine feedback mm. about where the student is and how they're growing, which mm. like if you actually think about it, that's helpful. That's yeah. useful information yeah. for learning, right? Because, because then we can, 
look at that assessment and then move further. However, if Stanford had to read through um, tens of thousands of those just to choose who gets to go to their school, that doesn't work. So yeah, it's going to make the school even that much more expensive. Right. And, so instead- uh, and then to be honest, too, probably us teachers don't really want to write a paragraph for every – Yep. Yeah, but instead, letter we, grade it is. <laughs> yeah, and and instead, what we do, I think it's it's interesting because we would look at that summary paragraph and say, oh, it's so subjective, right? Mm. Why, why can't we have an objective measure? But even our objective measures that we use to teach, um, to to grade kids, those objective measures aren't so objective. Like even the numbers that I put in my grade book that kind of look objective, mm-hmm. like really, they're they're judgment calls that I'm making mm. and. If I make something that is actually objective, if they got it right or not, it may not actually be assessing their learning. I might just be assessing their ability to hack me. Yeah, to, um, to learn you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, pick, and pick the right answer on a multiple choice or mm. fill in the, the right blank or, or reproduce some sort of rote learning. Mm. Right? The, the best forms of assessment tend to necessitate uh, some sort of judgment call or insight on the teacher's part mm. that we actually have to be artists. Yeah. Right. Yeah, what's that? You you pull out that quote sometimes. I know it's from your grad school recently. Yeah, it was. Uh, I love it. I forget love the it. guy's about, name. About our job is to be help with creativity. What, what's the? Yeah, I don't remember anymore. Oh, so good. <laughs> but it was from I, it was from a book on like the history of education or something yeah. like that by Eisner. Um, I can put a, I can pull up the reference and put it on our webpage later. But it, it's essentially um, talking about how we as teachers we are not. Um, we are not just factory workers trying to produce better mm. student machines, but rather we are artists. Mm. Um, and if we don't reclaim our career as artists, then then our our kids won't learn how to think critically and and be artists themselves. Perfect. And I think that think critically aspect is is the part that uh, a lot of us teachers have tension with, right? Because like you you've mentioned this idea of rote learning and and memorization, um, but critical thinking, being able to take one piece of information and. And, you know, for example, like in our class, be able to take something from the first century, mm-hmm. maybe out of the book of Romans or, or, or something, and, and to be able to apply that to today and to see how that works. And that, that takes critical thinking. Yep. Um, and that exposes the student who might have the straight A because yeah. they have learned how to hack us, yep. but have an inability to apply that information to anything in their own life, yeah. um, which seemed to be like the, the, the root of education before kind of the factory system right. and all that, right? Yeah, it was yeah, more... is to learn how to live. Yeah, and, and yeah, even yeah, even disciples yeah. following the rabbis. That's Just what it's like about. That. Is let's learn, let's learn how to live. What and, this looks like, yeah. And, and now we we have grade books, and they're like if if we use Renweb for example, which is what we use, or there's a bunch of other services out there. A parent can look and see all of these numbers, and they'll see numbers and percentages and columns and things that correspond, and the whole thing looks like. Yep, this calculates to They're the achievement. They're really doing their stuff. Yeah, they, it really <laughs> calculates to the achievement of my student. Yeah. This is an accurate representation. But but realistically, each student is so drastically different that, that this number is not going to describe where they're at in their journey, especially if we're talking about Bible class yeah. or theology class or where they're at in their growth with Jesus. And I've even had some conversations where a kid isn't doing very well in Bible. And I'm like, hey, their grade has nothing to do That's with right. how much they love Jesus. And conversely, like, right, yeah. we have the straight a Pharisees who yeah. seem so far away from Jesus, yep. but they can answer any question. Yeah, and so I, I mean, Wait, y- real quick, just real quick, yeah. I was just going to say, you know, without without sounding like super like teenage angsty, but mm-hmm. that's who I work with. Um, re- really, it seems like maybe for being a little cynical, that the grade is really more of a reflection of whether or not you've learned how to hack or play the game. Yep, um, as opposed to really interact with with information and yeah. content. Yep. 
you went to a school that did not give out grades, do you think that you would mer learn more or less? I think I would learn more because I wouldn't be so worried about studying for the test and writing the notes down. I feel like I'd be more engaged in the lesson and want to learn more. More because I'm not so worried about just memorizing facts and formulas just to get in my head, just to get a grade. I think I would learn more because I would be studying for my benefit and for wanting to learn about it instead of just cramming for a test. Thank you. I don't need validation from you, accurate. Chris, but okay. Seems accurate. Does, it, does, it, does my statement align with reality it, it as, to, as you as experience the, it? As the correspondence theory of truth <laughs> yeah. seems to dictate. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I guess our job as teachers, I, I think it's really important that we draw a distinction. There's some teacherese words, some pedagogy speak. Yeah. Can um, you say pedagogy? Like what that means to? It is just uh, te like the art of teaching or the yeah. study of, te I guess, teaching. Yeah. yeah. So our, our teaching methodologies and yeah, things. Your strategies. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think that it's really important that we distinguish a couple of words because I've said assessment a lot, mm -hmm. which sometimes is just our code for test quiz, quiz. test. Yeah. But if you think about the word assessment, what it actually is, is I'm assessing the learning of the students. I'm assessing where they're at in their progress. Yeah. And I, I did that today with those questions. Mm -hmm. what, what's the meaning of life? Where do you find meaning? I mean, I, that I'm assessing. Yeah. Right. Where like where, where do they go? That that. That that informs how I change my pedagogy, right? And that's right? <laughs> and that's so important that that we are able to see that assessment is far beyond just tests and quizzes because everything we do in the class, if we're reflective teachers, everything is assessment. Their yeah. engagement levels, whether or not they're yawning, how much they're talking at their tables, we're assessing the situation. So, I mean, the teacherese words are there's diagnostic assessment, informative mm. assessment, and summative assessment, which, which just means different. Different parts, ways. Yeah, different ways and different parts in the learning process that yeah. we assess them. But our goal with assessment is to say, okay, where are they? Where mm -hmm. are they at in their learning process? And so assessment is not the same as evaluation. We can assess where students are at without putting a letter grade on it, right? Um, and, and so in my class, when, going back to the dandelion thing, yeah. right? In my class, one of the main things I do, if, if I'm trying to get them to engage and learn and care, one of the main things that I assess for is their, is their engagement in their process. Yeah. And as a result, when I evaluate them, meaning when I put a letter on it, when I put a number on it, my main criteria is, did they put out effort? Did they show up? Um, not like physically show up, but right. like, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. They, did they mentally, emotionally, <laughs> Were they present? <laughs> yeah, did they mentally, emotionally show up either for this assignment or yeah. for this class and try and, and for, some of our classes, if there's an atheist student and they actually wrestled with the topic yep. of the existence of God, yep. but they were totally honest, I'm not going to give them an F for being an atheist. For not saying what you say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But Perfect. if they're showing up to wrestle with truth and understand. And so it, it might... That's, that sounds pretty subjective. Yeah. And it, and it might sound kind of like hippy-dippy, like, I grade for effort. But to an extent, like if our if our goal is to get them to move towards Jesus and I can still have academic rigor yep. and push them. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, every, especially anything in the participation or homework category, um, it, I'm looking for effort. Right? Yeah. Not just going through the motions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah that's um, one of the ways that I do that specifically in a class. Um, and, and I will, I will incorporate multiple strategies as well, but something that I like for me, uh, and it's what I was mentioning earlier, like when, when we're going through some content, is once we've kind of explored and done everything that we can 
um, with it for its time period mm-hmm. is I love to take this, okay, so what, what does it look like? And so I, I often have reflection papers. Right. Um, so what does it look like if you take this, this teaching, whether it's from Jesus or whatever, what does it look like if you took this teaching and you incorporated it into your life or mm-hmm. into your family? Or So especially like when we do like Love for mm-hmm. Enemy uh, in, in Romans 12, um, I'll ask them that a lot, right? Like, so what does this look like? And you can get the people who just say, oh, it would be much better. Yeah. If I loved my enemy, you know, and yeah. you can even hear like the silly, but but it's such a cool way, and it really is pretty subjective. It's like either you showed up for the assignment or you didn't, but right. um, it's such a cool way for them to intera- have to interact with the information and like they have to apply it to mm-hmm. today. And all the while, I get to assess them while they're thinking about something positive that they might be able to incorporate into their life. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah, absolutely. They just got graded about thinking what it would look like if I forgave my mom. Right. Or I forgave my cousin or my friend. or Like, that's pretty rad. Yeah. Um, But if I get challenged, I just want to throw that out there. Like, I I will say that. I I mean, there are times then the way that I do those gradings. I mean, it is pretty subjective Mm -hmm. at times. That's... Yeah. And, and for maybe me, you like, can help me. Yeah, this is, well, and this is like maybe just more strategic. Yeah. Um, but I think that what I will do is I will make sure that there are plenty of objective elements mixed in with the, the, the more subjective elements. So yeah, mm. that they try to do meaningful, meaningfully right and actually reflect deeply, which is going to be more subjective. Right. But then there's still like five points that goes to format. Did they follow right. MLA formatting, tw- size 12 Incorporate font? Incorporate three things from today's exactly. lecture. Did they have an intro, okay. body, and concluding yeah, cool. paragraph? So there's things that are like objectively... That they so can we can mitigate the gray area. <laughs> yes. However, um, what I what I also do is I make sure that for the students that would struggle in some of those objective um, measures mm. to be there to scaffold for them. Awesome. Um, and scaffolding is I, I believe it was Vygotsky who first came up with this terminology, um, but it's the idea of knowing where a student is. Um, and I think it's their proximal learning zones or proximal learning range. Mm. But um, his idea was that. If a student has, is at a certain place, they can only move a, a, a step up from where they're right. at. If they're at, um, if we're going from A to Z, if, if they're at C, they can't jump straight to M. Got it. Right? They got to go to D first. And so um, you come in as a teacher and you, and I, and you I put, use that term scaffolding. Yeah, so almost like putting in a stepping stool so that they, mm. can, ha- they can stand at a higher level and reach at the next spot. Can I speak some Christianese sure. to you? Um, would this be on par with this term that we use that Jesus meets us where we're at? Yeah. Is that kind of what we're saying? Yep. Which as classroom teachers of theology, Bible, mm-hmm. um, that's a hard thing to do sometimes yeah. to meet people where they're at. I mean, we're kind of back to our yep. conundrum, but like to meet people where they're at, students where they're at mm-hmm. and give them a grade on that. Right. Uh, and, and I think part of it also is being strategic in your class. Um, so that it's not just meeting them where they're at, but then discovering where they're at and then letting them sit on your shoulders yeah. so that they can reach higher than they would have if, if you just left them where they were. I like that. Yeah. Right. And so like if, if they struggle with MLA, we have international students at our school who, I mean, in our Bible classes, they're already struggling oh, to learn the I English know. language and then they have to w- learn totally words different. like incarnation and right. Trinity and all of these words. Which are, are strange to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to learn all these extra words. And right. so providing the extra vocabulary support and re-explaining. Mm. And um, when we circulate the room, our, our old principal, Allie, used to always, um, on the her class observations, she had a little checkbox for the amount of time that one spent in the power zone. Yeah. But meaning instead of being in the front of class, being in among the students. And so if you're in the power zone, I think that 
part of scaffolding and part of helping students is making sure like those ones who do struggle with mm-hmm. even writing that first sentence that you hover there a little bit longer, yeah. right? That you make yourself available, that you strategically pair them. You sit, um, you sit a student next to another student who loves helping, mm. right? I'm um, doing these That's things. That's nice with the collaborative style, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. Which, and that seems to align even more with more of the rabbinical style as well, yeah. right? Where we are gleaning wisdom from, from somebody else. And the conversation that yeah, we get to and have and all that. Yeah, and I, I think another thing that I, I try to do in my class is make sure that even it is, we're saying that grades aren't everything. And we like I feel like a lot of our <laughs> teachers will say this, that life is not about the grade, but, but... Then, but then we still operate our system based on that. And so one of the practices I've tried to do as well is, especially for like a big paper or something, I'll say um, – I will write meaningful feedback, and there's a difference between feedback and evaluation. Again, so assessing. Can you expand on that because yeah. that's this and um, whoever is listening, um, you 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 may not be a teacher, and you're yeah. thinking, "Oh man, I, I can't believe I'm still listening halfway through this podcast." <laughs> Probably more than halfway, by the way. Yeah. But but parents, I want you to listen to this one because um, this this is a this is this is good for our parenting strategy yeah, as well. Absolutely. So if you can expand on this, Chris, I think this is really good. Right. So if assessment is seeing where they're at, uh, feedback is letting them know where they're at. Hmm. Um, and so evalu- evaluation is just um, saying it's good or it's bad, but feedback is saying this is what you're doing. And so if they write a paper and it is not very persuasive. Um, Instead of saying bad paper, I will say um, <laughs> do over. <laughs> right. Instead of that, I'll, I'll point to and say um, your argument becomes weak here because of this, mm. um, or this point that you made was persuasive because of that, or I'll say your thesis is is very strong because I can tell where you're going in the paper. So what this does is instead of saying good job or excellent work, it tells them what they have done, and it allows them to look at their work and say, okay, when I was writing the sentence, that was what I was trying to do and I accomplished it. Yeah, or or, or I didn't. Yeah, or I was trying to do this other thing and the reader received something else. So it gives them that feedback. And it gives them the, the ability to to redo and, and, and assess in real time kind of right and, yeah. and, and switch. And I, and I think also um, what it ends up, uh, hopefully intentionally, but uh, maybe unintentionally combating is... The other idea, which is, you know, we're seeking pr- praise, mm. we're seeking the goods, the well dones, the pat on the back, mm-hmm. and we wrap up our identity again, consciously or subconsciously, right. we wrap our identity up in that. And that's why I mentioned even to parents, mm-hmm. like how often are we, all caps, <laughs> how often are we as parents guilty of just like when our kids do something, we're like, oh, you're so good, or that's so good, right. as opposed to giving them more. And what we do then is we... Um, like in short, this is also Alfie Cohn type stuff. We nice. rob them of the intrinsic joy of accomplishing something, hmm. right? They they have to find their joy from the outside by us telling them they're good uh, by receiving a, accolade. Yes, ah. as a, as opposed to being like, "Wow, you kicked that ball so far," right? As opposed to being like, "Good job, you're worthwhile because you kicked the bar, ball so far." You know, I like about that when my my daughter just uh, started soccer. By the yeah, way, nice. four years old just started soccer. Um, and I love that one because really, like when you say, wow, you kicked the ball so far, um, at least from my daughter's perspective, this is how I would uh, imagine she interprets it is, wow, you also saw me kick that ball really far. Yeah. Like, I know I did it, but you were watching, Dad, yeah, right? Exactly. You were watching. You saw. Yeah. You saw what happened. Yeah. We yeah. actually had to do um, some therapy with my son for some trauma, um, watching his mom be sick. And um, the whole the whole premise of the therapy was called reconnection therapy, mm. and it was all that type of language of just 
um, using that type of language so that he felt comfortable and was able to reconnect to the person. Um, and so I find that when you start sharing some of these things, Chris, I think about that, our, our time in therapy um, with Noah. Um, and then I, I think about that in my classroom. And so when those students, especially with the subject that we, that we teach, when we give the, that good um, uh, feedback, we're giving that good feedback, like we're telling them like, I see you, I know you, I see your more individual traits as opposed to just giving you a letter like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like, and, I, and I think that that builds rapport and trust. And yep. there's just so many um, kind of concentric circles of, of benefits that come from, yeah. from that. Yeah. And, and what I do... Sorry if I tangent. No, that's, that's totally <laughs> on the same path. And I yeah. think that what I do to hopefully maximize the effect of the feedback um, is when I am... Like when I write their feedback on a paper, I will actually try to create some space between the feedback and the evaluation. So instead of giving them their paperback with all of my feedback on it and giving them the rubric that has a number on it as well mm. um, or a check brick, which is just my way of saying, check off, right. did you do these things? Right. You check off these things. Um, I will give them their paperback so that they can read the feedback and they'll be like, what grade did I get? And I'll say, I'm handing those back tomorrow. Yeah, just just fo- wait. Just yeah. wait. <laughs> yeah, right? Just look at what you did so that when they get their grade, when they do get the evaluation, um, one, they've already digested and understood what they did do on the paper. Um, and then afterwards, the one, the evaluation makes a little bit more sense because they've actually read the feedback mm. and they've had some time to work and respond to the feedback before like feeling dumb or feeling like they're good because they got a high A or yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. I would imagine those those students um, and the, the, the three different types of student responses that you mentioned, I would imagine that the um, that first student. Uh, that is is just looking kind of to find their identity mm. in the grade and stuff. I would yep. imagine when they first experience that with you, uh, that that probably freaks them out. Hmm. Where's my grade? Right? Yeah. Where's, where's my no? Grade? But yeah, I don't want to read that. Like, where's my grade? Yeah. And it's that's. I love that you're teaching them that that's actually mm. counterintuitive. Yeah, and well, and I, <laughs> that that needs, leads me to one other thing that I wanted to make sure we talk about is that. Um, just because we are the Bible class, um, or even for like the, our Sunday school teachers that listen or our, our friends who work in college ministry or any of that, I think that sometimes when it is that sort of thing, we, we almost make it seem like our subject is not to be taken seriously. Mm. Our subject is the playful one. Our subject is the feels one. Um, which is true. Like you can get the feels, but I know plenty of like the, ma- the math teacher here at our school, she gets the feels from math, which yeah. like, w- that's weird. That's weird. Um, but praise God, um, yeah, <laughs> that, God that people her. are like that. But yeah, I think also studying scripture, seeking God and trying to understand reality. I think that we don't have to sacrifice rigor and intensity at the sake of, for the, for the sake of making people like Jesus more. Right. However, I do not think that the blunt instrument that we use to get people to want to work hard, sh- it shouldn't be grades. No. Right? The, no. Right. We should. No. That, that's why even in our back to school episode, talking about trying to capture their attention or like create that space so that they intrinsically want to pursue something that is difficult to understand it better. And hopefully we can, we can teach in such a compelling way that they realize, no, this is probably the most important thing. I'll ever learn. Yeah. I, I have a friend, Nick, who, who used to teach here and he, um, it, it, at first I was like, dude, come on, that's messed up. But he, he said that he starts off every class the, at the beginning of the year and he says, this is the most important class you will ever take. Like he just says it mm-hmm. and like, which is like kind of messed up to the other teachers. Right. But he's like, no, this I is going to be it. the most important class that you'll ever take. 
And if then we, you can follow up the rest of the year and make them believe that, yeah. then you don't need the stick of, of an F, yeah. right, to, to hit them. Yeah, up. as the motivator, no. In fact, you know, I was thinking as we were just talking here too, and I, I'm going to use a capitalistic model. This is weird, but um, <laughs> I feel like the letter grade is more of the receipt to let us know that a transaction has taken place. Mm. But when I get home, I don't stare at the receipt. I interact with the product that I bought, right? right. And I bought it for a reason. And um, I don't know. There's probably all kinds of flaws and, you know, I don't know, send emails. And you can tell me how jacked up that model is. But but really, right, if it's about the meat, if it's about the product, then the letter grade is just, like, making sure, like, letting people know that, yeah, you were here in class. Yep. You showed up. Your parents paid the whatever amount of money that they paid. Yeah. And, um, but it is it is that meat and that content. Yeah, and hope, so, hope. so hopefully the, the, the focus hopefully is from us, yeah, that we're not – dangling these letters these letters in front of them or, or telling them if they don't do this then they're going to get this yeah um but yeah but that the motivation is is no like we want to we want to yeah. give you a product and hopefully <laughs> and hopefully the, the product or the or the goal that they get out of it is no they care about the poor now um yeah. or they they started having meaningful conversations right. at the di- dinner table with their family right. or um these things that that's the product right yeah. not a report card like we can put a report card on the fridge and say we're proud of that but man how much more meaningful and more pride inducing would it be if the thing that we drew attention to was, wow, that was a really deep thought. And I, Mm. as a 45 year old father now had to like rethink because my son or daughter asked me, you know, it's funny, Chris is I, I don't think I've ever had a a parent come and thank me for the letter grade Hmm. that their, that their student got. Um, but they've definitely thanked me for causing them to think in such a way that they ask questions at the dinner table Yeah, or, um, you know, the, 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 the teacher that was here before me, um, Gabriel, as I was looking through some of his stuff, he had some assignments where he actually, like, had them interview their parents. Yeah. Um, and I think that's genius because yep. it's also reinforcing what's happening in the classroom and allows the, 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 the teacher to see above and beyond, again, just that kind of abstract letter grade that cannot, mm-hmm. cannot at all <laughs> really dictate or, 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 uh, or not dictate, but the letter grade that can't... Uh, um, tell you <laughs> what's going on in class, right? Right. Yeah, it's those conversations, and yeah, yeah. So good luck grading. Yeah, good luck grading, <laughs> y'all. So even though we are we are working maybe in a system that doesn't maximize learning, that doesn't mean that we have to change our focus. Yeah. We can still be the types of ministers, teachers, um, uh, I don't know, pastors, parents mm. that that give meaningful feedback that help push our kids and students toward growth. So I, I dare you to go do it. 